0: welcome to the halakha hour here on j root radio we are broadcasting live today june 7th yud gimul sivan here from the j root radio station let's give you the numbers before we begin we are back Bazat hashem after the holidays and uh, the numbers to the station are 718-683-5858. that's a number to call into the station to be on air or to ask us any questions. We'll be here as at the after three o'clock when we're, the show is over to uh, take any questions. The best way to contact us throughout the class and even afterwards, at least for a few minutes afterwards, is 347 927 8398. And of course, jrootradio.com and the Jroot Radio Pro app are, are the ways to listen in, as well as the number 718 506 9099. It's a new year. Hazal Talas. In massechet Megillah, that the holiday of Shavuot is considered like a Rosh Hashanah. The says, Rosh Hashanah? We know other Rosh Hashanahs. What do you mean the holiday of Shavuot is Rosh Hashanah? The Gemara says, it's a Rosh Hashanah, the Pilot Ha'ilan. And the Sfarim talk very, very much connecting the Torah to a new year of fruits. And especially that we, when we live through the holiday of Shavuot, it's not that just we commemorate what happened once upon a time, as uh, Ramhal and Om and others bring down, that really we are reliving the experiences of Harsinai. So really, we are re- we have received the Torah again, and we're standing again at Har Sinai. So I would like, to, I always like after the holidays to share a little bit of um, of the Hazuk, of a little bit of the Torah, of a little bit of Musa, really, of the things that personally inspired me throughout the holiday of Shavuot, and uh, especially the connects over here. Basically, the holiday of Shavuot this year for me was a little bit more of a hazuk in the anyan of Hashibuta Torah. To appreciate a little bit more of what we have like a Balat Torah. The holiday of Shavuot, like we said, is not a time when it's just commemorating, but we're reliving. So if we're standing at Harsinai, what should the experience give us? Standing there, imagine we were in that generation or we we're able to really feel the the way our forefathers felt when they stood by Harsinai and hearing Hashem telling us the besides of course the Emunah but this that we go through this year after year that we're receiving the Torah what does it mean for us and I believe that it's got to mean more of an appreciation for the Torah that we have now for the men that means the study of the Torah and for everybody else that means the ladies who don't, who don't have the obligation of studying Torah, which is not applicable to them, it's an appreciation of following the Torah. I want to share with you a small Dva Torah, depends how we stretch it, it might be a long Dva Torah, but it's a small Dva Torah for, that's, we will begin from the Braytan Perkei Avot. The Beit Hamprke Avot says, which is the last Perik, the six, six parak are all brightot, Even though we call it Mishnayot, it's really the sixth parak of Masechet Avot is really just Beitot, which all speak about the greatness of Torah, being that people learn Masechet Avot between Shavuot, between Pesach and Shavuot. So that last Perik always comes out right before the holiday of Shavuot, and there it says the following: It says, Torah yoter min Gedola Torah Torah is greater than kingdom. Torah is greater also from the Kehuna. This is a Braita, and this is also brought down by the Rambam the That it's halakha. You have to know this. Torah is greater than Malchut. Torah is greater than Kehuna. So if I would tell you, could you imagine the Kohen Gadol? Can you imagine getting a the Kohen Gadol? Since we don't know what a kohen gadol is, we have been—it's been a very, very long time since we had a kohen gadol. It's very hard to relate to it, but perhaps by malchut we can understand it. It says over here that Torah is greater than malchut. I don't know how you understand it, but this is the meaning of gedola Torah, Torah yitim and malchut. This is not speaking about the malchut of non-Jewish kings. It's not talking about that Torah is greater than non-Jewish kings. No. Gedolah Torah Min HaMalchut is speaking even about a Jewish king. Take any king you want, putting aside that he was also Tamil Hacham. Now we know Shlomo HaMelech was a tremendous Tamil Hacham. so was Davina Melech. But putting those aside, Shlomo HaMelech Hazar tells us in his time, he was the greatest king of the world. He could have been even the greatest king in history. And again, not the Torah of Shlomo HaMelech, but the Malchut of Shlomo HaMelech. The status that he that he had as a king The most powerful men in the entire world In the physical world and in the spiritual world Hashem gave him a kingdom, a power that nobody before had And nobody afterwards either had Even the other kings that had Although we had some kings that ruled the entire world But they didn't rule in the Al-Yonim, They didn't rule the angels and the demons and everybody else And they didn't rule in the spiritual part of the world Shlomo Amalek as powerful as he is Hazal tell us Gedola Torah, Malchut. It's even greater. To relate it to us also because we also don't know about Shlomo HaMelech and even if we studied a little bit about him, we still don't know much. A little bit of, you know, whenever there's a Jew in the news, we always feel a little bit more connected. You know, I believe that a lot of the reasons why why uh, Trump is so popular by the Jewish people, whether you like him or you don't like him, but still, it's because he has a lot of connection to Jews, his daughter is Jewish, his son-in-law is an Orthodox Jew. It's, it's, uh, you feel like, you know, it's like you're talking about somebody in your backyard. It's, it's one of your neighborhood friends. You may not necessarily know, but, you know, it's, it's part of, uh, uh, he's there. He's, he's right there with the Jewish people. Especially when he went to visit Israel, we feel very, very, you know, like, wow, that's right in our house. So... There's been a lot, and we know it's been a lot of followers, a lot of people watching the news and seeing all the, the kavod and the honor that's given, not in America maybe, outside America, but still all the, the honor that's given to the president, that he's the most powerful man in America, possibly the world, Hazala telling us, that's by the goyim, that's even by the goyim, Torah is greater, the guy who's sitting learning Torah in the kolel, the, Yeshiva B'chur, sitting there learning Torah. You, when you're sitting down and learning Torah that night, that one hour a night, or that one hour in the morning, Gedola Torah, malchut. Those are the words of Hazal. You're greater than even malchut. And we have to get that appreciation a little bit also. That we are learning Torah. Hashem has given us such a privilege that when we learn Torah, we have to appreciate our Torah. And not only that, the ladies have to appreciate that their husbands are going to learn Torah. Baruch Hashem, a lot of ladies, especially the ones who listen to this class, obviously if you're listening to Halakha Hour, you're want to know, you want to learn the Halakha, and you want your husbands to learn, and you push your husbands to learn, you have to appreciate very, very much that if you have Baruch Hashem, if you're lucky to have a husband that goes to learn, whether he learns one hour or Kalva Homed, he learns a full day, to appreciate that your husbands are learning. Yes, maybe the Parnassah might be a little bit hard if your husband's learning all day, but to appreciate, Baruch Hashem, Gedolah Torah, that what you, it's your share as well, ladies. It's your share. This Torah that he's learning is your share as well. And that's greater than if he would provide you with the king. If you were to be the first lady of the world, or you were to be the wife of an Abrech, Hazalah telling us, Gedolah Torah, Yotemina Malchut. And therefore, we have to appreciate what we say every single day in Tefillah. Right before we finish Tefillah, for the Ashkenazim, it's mamash. right before Alenu al-Shabayah. For the you know, we like to say extra things always. But uh, that's Armin Hag anyway. But uh, it's a little bit before Alenu al By the end of Balitzeon, we say, Baruch Eloheinu shibbera'anu l'khbodo. Blessed is our God who's created us for His honor. Vihibdilanu min and he made us different. He separated us from the toim. Toim of here is with a tav, the word that most people are familiar with. Toim with a tet means a person who makes a mistake. What's the difference between toim and toim? Toim with a tet is the one who makes a mistake. Toim with a tav is one who has been stranded, lost. Like the David Melech says, "Ta'iti mm-hmm. I got lost, Hashem. Please find me. Help me find myself, in my root back. na to'ims, Hazala telling us, and Sheik Nesek that instituted this tefillah, are telling us, Hashem separated us. He created us for His honor, and He separated us from those who are lost. There are people, Mamash, lost in this world. How did Hashem help us not get lost in this world? He's given us a Torah emet that this Torah is our GPS to get to the right destination. You know, there's two types of people who get lost. There's a guy who gets lost because he knows where he's going, but he just doesn't have the direction. And then there are those who are lost because they don't know where they're going. They don't even know where they want to go. Sometimes people ask you for directions. Do you know how to get to this place? Fine. And sometimes you see a person lost... Allah could be a person who has dementia or, or uh, Alzheimer's. He just doesn't know. You ask him, Mr., uh, can I help you? You're trying to get somewhere? He says, I don't know where I'm going. There's some, most people don't know what to do with their lives. It's whatever comes. If it's a new fun today, it's going to be new fun tomorrow. Something new and exciting. So they'll, they have their ambitions based on the times. And there are others who have goals in their lives. They want to be good people. They want to do whatever they want to do. Now, is that what Hashem wants you to do? Is that what Hashem has in plan for us? That's still to'ayim. Unless a person's life is dictated by the Torah, unless the goals in a person's life on his life GPS is the goals of the Torah, then he is a Ta'im. And that's what we have to ingrain within ourselves Every single morning when we pray, and right when we finish our tefillah, and we have to say, us in ourselves, we're different. We're not lost in this world. Why? Because because we He's given us a torat to We have goals. We have a mission in our lives. Our share, our roles in this world are greater than the kehunah Greater from even malchut, any malchut, even the Jewish malchut. Our Torah is even gives us that that status that's even higher in the eyes of Hashem. Now, if unfortunately we don't feel it, then it's because the next line we don't have it ingrained in us. He's planted in us, Hashem is planting in us, a life of eternity. When we know that, when we could dig in within ourselves and bring out that... Ratzon, that desire that this is what we want to live for. We want to live for eternity, which is, by the way, if you look at anybody, anybody who is, uh, you know, or sick, even Alam Haze, people who are involved in this world, they're always trying to make a memory of themselves. We all have the natural desire to have children, to leave over something. We all have a desire to, you know, dedicate things and to do things for this world. And to, that we should have a memory even after thousands of years that we live, that we should have something in this world. That's the Hayya Ulam. We all have that ratzon of wanting to be existent forever and to still have a role in life even after we leave this world. That's a haya but we just have to direct it in the right way. We have to know that our haya is in that world. That's where it's going to count, and that's where it's important. And that haya ulam is Hashem nata And when we know that, then we could appreciate our Torah even more. Then we could say, And that's how he's mabdil this is the lesson that we should walk out with shabbat and even though it's after shabbat it's any time really because shabbat is just a time when we have to ingrain this idea in ourselves for the rest of our lives now it is a halakha hour and we have to get back to halakha but before we get back to halakha i would like to just clarify a point on the from the last class the last class that we gave before the holiday of Shavuot. We spoke about the Smah, the Mizvah, the Halakhot that pertain to the Holiday in regards to simcha, preparation for Smaha, some important halachot. We mentioned that there's a Mizvah of Visa Mahta it's a mizvah writer to be happy. And there's a mahlokit if between the Rambam and other Rishonim. if v'samachta Mahtabhah applies to meat as well. That means is there an obligation to have meat or not. And although the Rambam rules that way. Most Rishonim don't. A lot of Rishonim don't rule that way. The Bet Yosef doesn't rule that way. It seems like that way in Shuhan Aruch, but we did say that everybody agrees that the in ha'elah be'yain still applies. That to have some to have wine on a holiday is an obligation, as Maram brings down. Now, on this point, I want to clarify a little bit that we shouldn't have, uh, unfortunately, now nobody should make a mistake in what we meant. To have yain on the holiday, to drink wine on the holiday, does not mean to get drunk. Nowhere is an obligation to get drunk except for Purim and under certain specific conditions. And even there, as we spoke in Al-Khot of Purim, there are a lot of different interpretations of the mitzvah of getting drunk on Purim. So that's number one. There is no obligation to get drunk during a holiday. So if you see a person walking around with a bottle of whiskey and taking cup after cup and saying, Yo, man, ve'esamachta b'chagecha? Right? He is one you should say Baruch Elokenu Shehibdilanu Minhat Taim. In this case, Ta'im with a tit. He, This guy is, is off his rockets. He's, he's wrong. That's not the obligation. The obligation is to drink a little bit. Let me read you the words of the Peleyahitz. Now, even though the Peleyahitz is a book of Musar, but the author of the Peleaats has a book on Halakha, Hasal Alafim, Rabbiza Papo, is one of the major Sferadiposkim, And what he brings over here is something universal. Everybody agrees on. It's not something that there's, uh, you're going to tell me there's a mahluket, you should get drunk. Nobody agrees that you should get drunk. But the words of the Peleites are really uh, echoing what everybody, all the other poskim will probably say, will, will say as well. And that is, he says like this, when he's talking about, Drinking. He talks about the. He begins by saying, "You said no drinking is terrible. I don't have to talk about it. Just go open up the Gemara, open up hazan, see how they speak about how terrible it is to drink." And then he says, regarding drinking, when drinking is fine. He says, "Let's say a person wants to eat meat and fish, or he wants to eat fish and." And uh, dairy, or if he wants, according to the Saladim, or if he wants to eat cheese and meat, right? So in between, we know you have to rinse your mouth. So he says it's good to use a little bit of wine or 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 any alcohol, let's say even whiskey or beer, because they're more acidic and they're, they they clean better. And then he says also ben listen to the words meat yain a little bit of wine and Especially on Shabbat When they said But how does he define the Not to drink But to drink A little bit of wine And that's all talking about a regular person However if a person Is in a situation Where he has to be For example He has a history Let's say he's been to rehab for alcohol or any other addicting thing or let's say a person is young he's underage, between the age of 13 and 18 or maybe you don't feel that person is sometimes you know some people get carried away people it's by nature certain people by nature get carried away from things you know you could see him mass by a lot of by a lot of uh, uh different people uh sometimes most people you see you know will hear something and okay we'll get into something and they fall out of it they like to play basketball. They like to, you know, take a hobby. Other people just get addicted. No matter what it is, they get very, very, you know, involved in something. I don't know what's the psychological definition of that. You want to call it OCD or any other about whatever you want to call it, call it. But there are people that get stuck like that. So such a person, no, maybe he has to stay away from wine because for him, a little bit of wine will turn alenu into big wine, into big problems. This is similar to what Hazar tells us. kula. <laughs> You see what wine has done to somebody, maybe you have to go to the extreme. Even though extremes are terrible, and the Rambam says a person has to be But there are times when a person has to go to extreme, when the, your people around you are extreme, or when you could fall into a very dangerous pit, so you have to be extreme and not to have even that little bit. I wanted to clarify that point, that it's very important that nobody should take our words and push them you know, and, and do whatever they want to do and use our words. When we said to have wine during the holiday, it means, it means just a little bit. As the Pele'a himself says, I didn't read it here, but he says when you start see, feeling a little bit dizzy, stop, stop, you already went too far. That's just a little bit of wine. and Okay, let's get back to our regular schedule. Here on the Halakha Hour, we discuss the laws of... Specifically from the book, the Benish Hai, and we are focusing on the Halchot of Shabbat. Baruch Hashem, in the last couple of years, I think it's been three, four years, although we take breaks to, for uh, holiday halachot, whenever it's seasonal halachot, we stop, and sometimes there's certain important issues, we bring it up. But on our regular schedule, we follow the Sefer the Benish Hai, and we speak, we bring, I saw a nice line from uh, one of the Svarim, it says, From concept. To application, and that's uh, about we try to do the same thing. We try to bring the ideas that they shouldn't be dry, we try to bring the background, we try to bring in a way that we should understand the concept, and then we try to also bring practical examples and application of the halakha. This is the purpose, this is the agenda of the halakha hour, and we work off the high we, we start with the Benishai. We've done a full sefer. I mean, not a full seven in Benishai, but a full seven in Parashat. As we know, Benishai is based on the Parashot in the Torah. We began from Parashat Bereshit, the Lachot of Kiddush. We've concluded the Halachot of Parashat Veyehi, and we got ready to getting into the Melachot. Now, we are up to Parashat Shemot, and as a heads up, basically, the end of Sefer Shemot concludes the Halachot of Shabbat in the Benish Hai. Now, of course, the Benish Hai does not discuss all the entire, uh, all the Halachot of Shabbat. It's impossible to really cover it in one book unless it's the Shohan Aruch and all the commentaries of Shohan Aruch. So it's, it's meant to be a concise book of Halachot. We try to stick in the important Halachot that are relevant whenever they come up, especially if we can connect them to the parasha. The subject that is in Parashat Shemot is the subject of Ohil. Ohil literally means a tent. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, let's say for the umbrella, uh, my father would tell us, you're not allowed to make an umbrella because you're making a tent on Shabbat. And as a little kid, I'm like, ooh, I'm making a tent. I mean, it looks like a tent. Now, my father learned it in, in, in his class and then by his Rabbi and his Rabbi told him that's making an ohil and he had to translate to us so at the time it was Arabic even. So okay, so me it's a tent, I always are like went, whoa, making a tent? I'm not making a tent, it's just an umbrella. So we're gonna see that the word ohil although means a tent, but we're gonna see that this is actually a tolada of the Milacha, as that the same as we will explain. It is a short parasha in the Benishai as opposed to most of the other halakhot that we discussed, especially, for example, the halakhot of mukseh it took us at least 20 classes to discuss all the laws of mukseh and it took two parashot in the Benish high. The halakhot of Ohelah are actually much shorter, they're a little more concise, they don't have so many, you know, at least from the Benish Hai, we could really come out with a lot of the practical halakhot, but it's a short parashah, and it shouldn't take us really so long. I don't know, I can't tell you how many classes, it all depends on, um, you know, how many examples we come up with, or whatever the questions that come up afterwards. So it is going to be a relatively short parasha. Now, if you're thinking ohel and and which is the subject of, uh, of the parasha Chemot, don't think that you need to be a contractor to appreciate this, this class. Of course, if you're into building, or if you're one of those people that likes fixing, you're a handyman, or you like watching handyman, and you like building, yeah, you'll appreciate a lot. But really, there are a lot of practical halakhot that come out from this subject of ohel, just in a quick examples, especially now we're coming up to the summer, gazebos, opening up umbrellas, um, uh, wearing baseball caps, or let's say sukkah coming up, let's say during the holiday of Sukkot when it falls out on Shabbat, or even Yom Tov of, of Sukkah, when let's say the schach fell, the parts of the wall fell, a lot of different uh, practical halachot actually, as we'll see, opening up f- folding tables and uh, a lot of different things. It might sound a little vague for those who are unfamiliar, but there are really a lot of practical halachot. Now I want to give a little bit of a intro to the melacha of boneh and ohel, because this is where it comes from, and we're going to review a lot of the stuff that we said in the past classes in the and last year I think about the melachot of Shabbat. The melacha that we are focusing on, like we said, boneh is only Tolada of the melacha of boneh. Boneh is a thirty-fourth of the thirty-nine melachot. And if you remember, we divided the halachot of... Oh, excuse me. We divided the melachot of Bonet, like the way uh, the 39 melachot is divided, into four categories. The four categories, very quickly, were making the bread, because in the Mishkan, basically whatever the Jewish people did in setting up the Mishkan, the 39 melachot come from those actions that they did in setting up the Mishkan. So therefore, the, f- the four categories... Of the thirty-nine melachot, are the first category is the process of making bread, and there we had eleven melachot. I'm not going to go through eleven melachot right now. I'm only going to focus on the subject at hand. The second category of melachot is making the cloth covers of the mishkan, that had thirteen melachot. The fourth category, the third category, is making the leather covers of the mishkan, which. Had seven melachot. And finally, the last category, the fourth category of the setting up of the Mishkan is the actual structure of the Mishkan, mishkan which had eight melachot. And obviously, the melachav bone, number 34, is going to be in the fourth category. It's the structure of the Mishkan. Let's go very quickly through the eight melachot on the structure of the Mishkan. They are koteb, which means writing, mohek, which means erasing, bone. Which is our subject, which is building. Soter, which is demolishing. We're gonna talk about them a little bit, a little bit also in the introduction. Mechabe, which is shutting off. Mab'ir, which is putting on a fire. Number seven of this category is Makebe Patish, which is literally means just hitting the anvil with a with a hammer, but really means the finalization of a project. And number eight is Hotzaa, which is carrying from different domains in the the first six melachot, if you notice there are really three pairs of opposites, koteb which is writing and then the opposite is mohek and therefore our subject which is bone is really very very connected to soter which is demolishing, building and demolishing are actually the flip side of the melachot. that means whatever is forbidden for a person to do under the category, under the subject of bone will be also forbidden, if it was built before Shabbat, for a person to undo it on Shabbat. Not only if it was built before Shabbat. Even if a person did an Isur on Shabbat and he was born there on Shabbat, it will be an Isur for that person or any other person to undo it. It's kind of like, I'll give you an example. You know, when we were younger, if you may, maybe till now, <laughs> sometimes you make a mistake. You forget it, Shabbat. It's like one of those, like, you know, you're waking up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom or to go get a drink. And by mistake... You shut off the light in the bathroom. How many times does that happen? Your natural instinct is right away to put back on light. You think you fixed it that way, right? You actually the two other melachot. One is, uh, it might be there, whatever you want to call it, but it's two isurim over here. So that's the actually the halakha of bonnet and soter. Bonnet, whatever you cannot build, if it was built, whether on Shabbat or before Shabbat, you cannot be soter. Let's bring back, discuss again just very, very quickly. The melacha of bone in definition and how it was used in the Mishkan, and a little bit about the toledot bone and soter. So let's begin. Melacha of bone, definition of bone is building, but that only translates it. To define the melacha bone is in the, is in the following way creating, forming, or assembling any part of a permanent structure. That is the melacha of bone mid de oraita. Of course, like we said in the past, every Melacha has Toladot, which means subcategories are also forbidden from the Torah, and every Melacha also has many rabbinical uh, halachot as well, rabbinical gezerot you want to call them, or rabbinical applications of the halachot, even though they might not be forbidden in the Raita, but they will still be forbidden in the Rabbanan. How was Melacha Boney done in the Mishkan? Melacha was, when the when they, whatever they camped, you know the, the Jewish people traveled as we see in Sefer Bamidbar. The Jewish people traveled in in the desert, and when they came to a certain location that they wanted to camp, so they took the kerashim. These are the beams that made up the special room called Ohel Moed, where the Aron was, where the Mizbaya Hazehav was, the Shulchan and the Menorah. They put the kerashim together. They set them up on the adanim. That's the base, and that's how Bone was done. So therefore, a Tolada of Hazal tell us that this is a sur. Torah is making a roof. We we chose this specific example because that's really our subject. That's where the word ohel comes from. We said the word ohel means a tent, but really ohel, really in definition as far as the halakha the practical halakha ohel means making a roof. Making a roof, as we'll learn, is midoraita. It's forbidden and sometimes it's only forbidden midrabanan. Making a roof is usually usually forbidden. There are very rare exceptions will be permitted, as we'll learn. We'll get to it also. But this is what we mean when we say ohel. So if we'll try to always say say it in English. But if, in case we don't say it in English and you listen listening to this introduction, introduction and you're listening to also the classes later on, if we ever mention something that's so because it's ohel, it means that it's because of making that roof. It means just the roof. It's not literally a tent, just a roof, that's considered making ohil, that's a tolada of the melacha of bone. Soter, because like we said, ohil and soter are the two opposites of each other, also a melacha. Soter is defined as demolition. That's translated, excuse me, this translated as demolition. Definition of soter though is demolishing a structure or part of a structure for the sake of building in its place. That means what Hazal tell us in the words of Hazal is soter libnot. You're demolishing in order to build. If that is what you're planning to do, demolishing in order to build, then you are over on the Isur of soter How was this done in the Mishkan? Well, remember the rule. Whatever Bone is, the opposite of it is Soter. If Bone was putting the Kirashim together to make the Ohel Mu'id. So then Soter is taking down the Kirashim when they needed to travel because they needed to carry the Ohel moed with it. So that is the definition of sotir. Okay. That is the introduction or the background really to the Melachot of Bonet. I want to give you a few points before we get to the actual class. Number one is... To look this up, if those who want to study further and they want to see the sources inside, a lot of people like to see inside. We're going to use the Ben Ish Parashat like we said, Those who would like to see the halachot inside, the Shoham Aruch, on the subject of Boney is discuss, He discusses it mainly in the in the Yud Shinud Gimel, Shinud Dalit, and Shin Tet Vav. Those are the Simanim, three, I guess, in English. If you're going to look it up, no, there's no point in me telling it to you in English. And Siman, Shin uh, Yud Gimon, till Siman Shintet Vav. Those are the Simanim where Shohana Ruh deals with the subject of bonet. The subject of making an Ohel, making building roofs, and anything that's connected to the Isud, the writer of Ohel, is found in Siman Shintet Vav. That is the subject of Parashat Shemot. The Benishai does deal with the other... Uh, subjects that, that Maran deals with in Shin Yud-Gimon and Shin Yud-Dalit, but it, it's he doesn't go in that order, he has his own order he has his own uh, way of doing it for those who want to see, it's we'll get to it also by eventually, but it's going to be a long time eventually, The most of it are found, all the other halakhot that at least pertain to boneh. are found in Parashat Vayakhel that's towards the end of Sefer Shemot and the end really of um, what's it called Shabbat in the Benin Shai, and a little bit, very, very little found in Parashat Yitro as well. It is connected a little bit to boneh, so you'll look it over there. Now, when, yeah, although it's, it's important and it's nice that we, we know the whole subject of Bonet and then we approach the subject of Ohel, but it's not really necessary. That means where it would be necessary, obviously we'll point out, we'll bring the Halakhot of bone where it is necessary to see, uh, to at least to shed light on the subject at hand. With that, further ado, we will begin now the Halakhot of Ohel from the Ben Yishhai. We will begin with Halakha Aleph. In Halakha Aleph, the Ben Yishhai gives us basically a basic introduction. Usually we like to give an introduction of the subject outside, but I saw that. You know, when I was coming to to summarize the class, I said, this is beautiful. The words of the Ben-Yish Hai are, are almost word for word of the Rambam and the, and the Rishonim and the, uh, of, of, uh, on the subject. So there's no point of me really bringing outside sources. We could read it straight from the Ben-Yish Hai. This is not sub- something that's debatable. What it would be, I will point it out. Halakha Aleph. Says the ben Ohel Keba. He boneh min ha-Torah. To make an Ohel Keba, is to make it is a tolada of bone and it's forbidden on Shabbat min torah. Now, this ohel keba, we're going to learn about it in a second. Right now, this is exactly what we said before, this is not something rabbinical, this is something deoraita. Just to make a roof that's keva. I don't want to use the word permanent, Although usually keba means permanent, as we'll see that that word doesn't really define the do raita. We'll see what keba is later on. Therefore, Hazal tell us it's forbidden to make an ohel on Shabbat or Yom Tov. In to make a roof on Shabbat or Yom Tob. And uh, Ben Ishai explains what does it mean. ohel hamahil alav. Here are the conditions for something to be considered a roof according to Halakha. It has to be something that goes above you. Right? Because that's the definition of a roof. Roof is something where you're standing under it. And what is it there for? It's there in order to protect you. Whether it's going to protect you from the sun, or or from the rain, or from any other thing. That is the definition of oil. something that goes above your head, and you, you fix it. I remember once, you know, when uh, you know sometimes like you hear concepts, and then you see it, and you're like, wow, okay, now it clicks into your head. The first time it clicked into my head was... I was once by, uh, I was on the Shabbaton and it was in like um, one of those sleepaway camps. And we were in the building where the lunchroom was and where all the shawrin was. And the bunks where everybody would sleep was like, you had to walk a little bit, like two minutes to get to the bunks. I'm looking out the window, it started raining like crazy. And one of the guys had to run from, the, from that building where we had the classes and we had the lunchroom. He had to run all the way to the bunks. I'm looking out the window. All of a sudden, he's going to get soaked, He's clearly. So what does he do? He takes a big box. And a cardboard basically A box that was already cut up And he puts it above his head and he runs Like wow, that's so clever Okay, he's, he's got like a walking uh, Roof above his head Like ah, oh, that's a roof now, probably that, was, that would probably been a sur As we'll learn about it But that's the same idea You're having a roof in order for it to protect you To protect you from rain, to protect you from the sun But in order for it to be Considered an ohil It has to be a certain size and we can see all the conditions. But right now, the size that the B'nai does not discuss over here, the size has to be at least a tefah. A tefah is very small, of a Tefah is, according to the more stringent opinion, and this is actually the Minhag of the it's eight centimeters. It's a little bit of three inches, about. Okay? It's not a lot between three to four inches, according even to the more Mahmirim, The other opinion holds it's 10 centimeters, it's 10 centimeters. It's not such a major difference. So eight centimeters is already considered an ohel. And if it's there to be, which when it's, if it's there as keva, it's asur min hat-tora. Now he says, And now the man is about something else. And he says, even if you're making a roof, that's not keva it's called arai arai means temporary and this we could the, we could say that arai very comfortably we could say that arai is temporary and it's not, you didn't make this roof to be there for a long time you made it just as ibn Shah says you only put up for a temporary short amount of time a few seconds as we're going to learn it could be even a few hours even Even if you put it up in a way where it doesn't have walls, it's just sitting, not in the air, obviously, but it's standing on, let's say, for example, he says, for example, you have four beams, and you're putting up on top of it a mat. still, Since it's made in order to cover you and to protect you, this has a status of a complete ohil. Even though you're only doing it for a short time. So you're right, it's not a similar Torah because in order to be a similar Torah, it has to be something that basically you want it to be for a while. But even if you're doing for a short amount of time, Hazal said it's Asumid torah Why did Hazal forbid it from making a temporary roof? It's only for a short time. I'm going to take it down in a few seconds. I'm going to take it down in a few moments, in a few hours. Still, Hazal said it's Asur because you might come to do an ohel that is for a longer amount of time, which would be Asur Minat Torah. Now, before we get more inside of it, let me just review a little bit and give a practical uh, case. Let's say you have your um, your sukkah frame up. A lot of people, either they built it on their balconies, they don't want to take it down every year, so it's up. You're sitting on your balcony, it's very, very sunny. I have that in my backyard. I kept the frame up, and uh, once the court comes, I already have two walls, I bring the third wall, and then, of course, I put the extra covers as the walls on the side, and then I put this khak on top. But now, when it's done, the holiday of Sukkot, I'm sitting in my backyard. You have the sun heading down, or it's raining. So let's say I'm sitting, and I want now, you know, it start to rain, or it's very, very sunny. It's too hard for the kids to play in the backyard. So now I want to take a cloth, and I want to spread it on that on the structure that I have already up already. That would be a sur. That is ohil. If my kavana, if my intention is there just for a few hours, just as my kids play in the backyard, it's a de banan. And if I intend to keep it there for the summer and even less than the summer, as we'll soon see how long that is, then it, would be, it could possibly be also asur sur de oraita. The time frame for how long does a person have to put up something, if it's going to be the oraita or not. We don't find really a, in Hazal and not in the Shohan Aruch an exact time frame for how long does a person have to keep the roof up in order to be considered in Torah. Let's keep in mind, it's always forbidden to make a roof if you're making it for the sake of uh, protection. But to make it a Surmin Hat Torah or Medir will depend on the following two things. Number one, either based on what kind of roof you're making or, or, if based on uh, the, ma- the material, uh, excuse me, based on the time, you tend to keep that roof. Now you tell me, Rabbi, what's the difference? You told us it's Asur. Who cares? The right? You're right. You're 100% right. It's Asur, it's Asur. But if it's very necessary, it's, if it's for the sake of a mitzvah, or if of a sake, it's something that's very, very important that you need. And it's only as so banan, then we may be able to use the heter of shbut, dishbut, bimakom, either mitzvah or tzorech gadol. So that's why it makes a nafkaminan. That's what makes a difference to know. Now, in defining what makes the ohel keva, we find in the poskim, they discuss two different ideas, what makes it, what could possibly make it as keva, and therefore, we have to be mahmir. We find, biur brings down, he has a question. He says, we find that building... Uh, so there's a and I don't want to get into it right now, but basically building a certain structure out of uh, bricks and everything. We find that in one place, it sounds like it's Asur. In one place, it sounds like it's Mutar. I don't want to get into it right now because it can get too confusing if I get into full detail. But basically, the Bi'ur comes out, he says, in the following words. He says, when you're making a certain structure out of bricks even though you're only doing it for a short amount of time, you're only doing it for a temporary, for a very, very quick time, you're going to take it off later on, he holds it still forbidden because that's the way people usually build a permanent structure. And based on that, so therefore, for persons making a roof from something where it's where it's normal people would usually use it as a roof, for example, wood, or let's say stones, or things I are usually put in a building, put in a structure to use as a roof, if you're using that on Shabbat, if you're using that type of material to make a roof for yourself on Shabbat, even though your intention is only that it should be there for a short amount of time, then according to Minuhat Ahabal, learns from here, and based really on the Biru HaLakha, it would seem that it should be a sur min haTorah. So it depends on the material that you're using to make a roof. If it's wood or or, uh, or certain types of beams that, you know, beams are wood, or stone, whatever it may be. Things that people normally use f- to build roofs. Even though kebana, your intention is only to make it for a short amount of time, which we said that should be all right. Since the material is a building material, that could be an issue of making an ohel midde or raita. That's one thing that we see regarding ohel keba. What we'll we'll constitutes something as ohel keba. Not only the time, but also the material. Now, in regards to the time, we find also in the post scheme they always talk about if you're putting a, a roof for a certain amount of time, for a long, for extended amount of time, they don't give really a date. They don't give a t- uh, that time. They say late kayem, as the words of the Benish High over here. Or in the words of, I think, if I remember in the Mishnah he says, Kamma yamim. You're putting that to be there for a few days or in other words some people say you wanted to keep it there for a while right you're putting there the like bi'out so those terminologies seem to tell us that there is a time also that if you're making a roof on Shabbat even though the material may not be a building material but you plan planning to keep it there for an extended amount of time it should be Asur. now what is that extended amount of time here we have some post scheme we find the pre-megadim brings down that if you're doing it for eight days anything that's done for eight days or longer, that makes it all keva. And he learns it from the holiday of sukkah. Others say, no, what are you talking about? This sukkah is supposed to be dirat arayin. It's, it's called dirat arayin. So eight days is not keva, more than eight days. And some say, no, you need 30 days based on tosafot. So there's different opinions in the post scheme. I chose to go with the Munhat because he also says it also lehumra. A person has to be stringent. If he intentions to put up a roof, even though the material might be Fine, or whatever it is, but if your intention is to put there for an extended amount of time, that could, yeah, a person has to be, that time it means for eight days or longer, that will perhaps will be the de- right, and therefore a person has to be mahamir, that is the de- right, and you cannot even tell a gory. So let's review. We find in the post scheme that what constitutes a world to be the de- or the de- is could either be the material if it's something that's normally done in a, you know, for building material, a uh, material that's usually used for building. And number two is, even if it's not the material, but if it's made in order to be there for extended amount of time, how much is that time? Eight days or longer a person has to be a hostess. And certainly, if it's 30 days or more, then already a lot of poshkin will hold, that possibly will be the oraita. So this is Ohel Keva and Ohel Arai. Let's continue in the Halakha, in the Bani H'ai, and we'll finish with this. They only were osir to make this Ohel Arai on Shabbat. You cannot go on Shabbat and take, let's say, plastic and spread it for, for a few hours on Shabbat just to protect you from the sun or to protect you from the rain. But if you already have an Ohel arai from the day beforehand, you already had it from before Shabbat. Uh, basically, you already made a roof of some sort before Shabbat. This hazalu matir Then you're allowed to add onto it. Once you had a certain ohil for a certain amount of time. Let's which, uh, excuse me. You had this ohil from before Shabbat, and you had it open up already. You had a certain roof made before Shabbat. On Shabbat itself, you're allowed to add onto it. So he says over here. For example, if you, let's say you have a mat. You know, like the schach mats or any mat that a person is putting as as a, let's say, as a protection, as a roof. Let's say it was open from before Shabbat. Then, on Shabbat, you're allowed to just roll out the rest of the mat. But that's, he says over here, How much it had to be open? It had to be open for Shabbat, at least the size of a tifa. Then the next day, you could unravel the whole mat. Not only that, once you already have a roof, you can add on to that also. That means when you open up the full mat, you're allowed to extend, also bring other mats as well, and add on to it. Why? All this is considered a tosafet. Tosafet to an is mutar. As long as I have an oil. Oil means, like we said, definition of an oil, at least a minimum of a tefah. Once I have a tefah serving as a roof and as a protection already, I can add on to that. So he says over here, however, over a very important condition. When do we say that a roof is considered a roof uh, w- uh, with a tefah? When do we say that? What's the size of a tefa? That's only, I'm not going to read the rest inside because we do have a little bit of time, uh, very short time left. He says that's only if the roof was open up. Meaning to say, let's say I have this mat. You know, when you roll up the mat, it rolls up into a big bundle. When it's in the bundle, it might be a tefah that's the is, which is also from the Shuhan um, Aruch and the Rishonim as well, that the bundle, when it's rolled up, it cannot be used to, as a tefah to be considered an ohel before Jabbat. That means I came before Jabbat. I took this big mat, I put it on top of my uh, sukkah frame and I put it there for a roof. In case it's too sunny tomorrow, I'll roll it out. In case it's Uh, whatever, in in case it's too... uh, It's raining tomorrow, I'll roll it. If not, I'll keep it open. If I want to do that, if I want to open up our Shabbat, I have to make sure to unravel the mat, at least a tefah. And you can tell me, but but there's a tefah already. No, it doesn't work. Since this is the mat that I'm using as a roof, then it doesn't look like it's being put there as a roof. So therefore, I have to open up at least a tefah and then go ahead and unravel it, if I want to unravel it on Shabbat, if I open up on Shabbat, oh, I'm making a roof it's fine, if I already had a roof of a tefah before Shabbat I'm allowed to add on to it on Shabbat and continue and extend it as much as I want, I can even cover my whole block with it if I already had opened up before Shabbat a tefah, and this is a very important halacha. it's a very very practical halacha for those people that have a little bit of an awning and you want to open up the awning now on Shabbat in case it's sunny make sure before Shabbat you open it up a tefah and afterwards, you could spread it more. Not only that, like we said, if you already have a tefah of an ohel, you already have an awning that's already a tefah, and you want to extend it before afterwards, you can also extend it. The awning is there, obviously, as a, as a roof, as a protection. You could bring now a mat and extend it from there. That is an important halakha. One more point the Benish Ha'ad brings out, again, we're not having time to read it inside, the end of Halakha Aleph, and that is, although we said the mat, when it's rolled up itself, cannot be considered, that tefah when it's rolled up, even though it might be wide as a tefah, we cannot use that tefah to be considered an ohil, but if a person would take the entire mat, the way it's rolled up, and put it on top of him, to be a protection, to serve as a protection, to serve as an ohil, then we're gonna be Mahbi. We are gonna consider it. That tefah is gonna be considered an ohil, And therefore it will be forbidden to take a rolled up mat and to put it on top of you to serve as ohil, to serve as a protection. If you're putting it up, just you just want to put up a mat, not to roll it up and not to serve under, you know, not to serve as a ohel uh, mean to say not to serve as a roof but it creates a roof nonetheless but that's those and many other these halakhot similar halakhot we discuss that's in the future classes we have a few minutes left um, we'll take the questions anybody has questions we'll take them off the air we're just gonna sign off right now we'll Want to thank we want to thank J Root Radio for hosting us, Iran or Vnissim for them being uh, behind this whole uh, J Root work. Uh we thank you for joining us. this class will be aired on again tonight, at 10 p.m. here on J Radio.com. And um we'll see you next week. If anybody has questions, you can call into the station right now, 718-683-5858, or you can text us at 347-927-8398. Or you can always email us, even when we're away from here, at halakhahour at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Until then, have a wonderful week and Shabbat Shalom.